What's up, day one listeners? Thank you for tuning in to another great episode of the People in Tech podcast. 2019 is here. I'm excited. We got a great year ahead of us. Year one of the podcast. I can't believe we already hit year one. Season one is over. We're in season two. And I got some great goals. And really, I think, let's just recap real quick. Goal for the podcast last year from the first episode was to try my best to record an episode a week, which ended up being to 52 episodes for the year. Now, I, being a software developer, always like to say aim for 100 because you're not going to get 100. You might get 99. And we got to 48 episodes in year one. So now some episodes came out weekly. Some some weeks you got two or three episodes. But ultimately, the goal was to have a total of 50-ish episodes. And we came a little short. But that's okay because anyways, it's year two and... We got a whole bunch of stuff going on. I'm working on the site, and today we're actually going to be talking about launching a website. Now, before I start today's episode, I got to give a shout out to the lovely Jenny for not only inspiring me to do today's episode, but actually come up with the idea to even talk about how to launch a website. And it's funny because we were on a road trip, we were coming back from Sedona. And I was talking about goals for 2019. I want to make the People in Tech podcast website. And Jenny asked, she was like, you should do an episode on how to launch a website. And I kind of sat there and I was like, launching a website, that's easy. All you got to do is. And then I paused and I sat there and I thought to myself, it's not easy. It's not straightforward. And every time I worked on a website, it's been completely different than the site I did after that or the one after that. Or then I started doing like fully responsive applications. And then people wanted mobile apps and then they wanted a mobile app tied into their website. And then I just kind of sat there and I'm like, holy crap, I'm a software developer and this is complicated. What is it like for somebody who is a tech novice and breaking into IT or listening to this podcast and want to know how to launch a website? Well, that's what we're going to be doing today. But first, before we even dive deep into the technical know-how to start your phenomenal website that you're going to build this year, we got to give DJ Side Hustle a little love and let him do what he does best. Thank you, DJ Side Hustle, for keeping it hip, urban, and cool, like always. Now, we're talking about how to launch a website. And I'm going to treat my day one listeners pretty much like three different types of audiences because you're going to fall in one of these groups. You're either going to be technical, like me, you're going to be a software developer, or some IT-related position where you have the know-how, but maybe you just haven't done it yet. 
to make a website. You understand programming, you understand a programming language, and you are looking to make a website. You're going to be the first group that I address because you're going to be the easiest to direct, mainly because you already have the technical skills. Then we're going to have the intermediate group, which is going to be most of the day one listeners who I'm going to call tech novices. And really, I'm going to give you instructions on website builders to use and how to pick one and the steps necessary to create a website. And lastly, we're going to, I call it the special case, where you're not quite in a technical group. You don't consider yourself a developer, but you're more technical or you're more tech savvy than, let's say, the most common average Joe, and you want to launch a website, but you want to use something like WordPress, but you want to manage it a little bit more yourself. You want to be a little bit more hands-on. We're going to talk to you too. But those are the different groups we're going to address throughout this episode. And really, before we even start, the first thing all groups need to consider when we're talking about making a website, how to launch a website, you need to figure out what your website is going to do. What is the purpose? And you'd be so shocked. I've been in the IT world for several years, and I've worked for startups, done consulting, worked for large corporations, smaller corporations. And it's crazy because the second you realize the site is tied into delivering business value, delivering revenue, becoming some type of generator for the organization, the way you look at sites changes. And for somebody who's not technical, you're a tech novice, and maybe you're just looking to create a blog. Maybe you're looking to create a podcast and you want a site tied into it. Shout out. Maybe you're looking to create an app, but you need a site for your app. Could be a lot of different use cases. But the first thing you need to figure out, step number one, figure out what is the purpose of your site. If you do not understand the purpose of your site, it's going to be very difficult to guide you on how to go about building and launching your site. The reason I bring this up, because a lot of people, especially if you're in IT, this has happened to you. If it hasn't, you haven't been in IT long enough. But the second you tell somebody you work with code or you work with IT, they look at you and they're like, hey, I have this awesome idea. Check it out. It's going to be like Facebook, but it's not Facebook. You're going to log in. You're going to have email and password. It's going to have a feed like Facebook, but not like Facebook. It's going to have a chat option like Facebook, but not like Facebook. It's going to be way better than Facebook. If somebody hasn't pitched you an idea where you're like, that already kind of exists, or it's like, that's a big project. Like, it's not a website. You're, you're asking for a web application. You're, you're asking for a web app. You're asking for a tech giant. Or you're asking to do a startup. Again, it doesn't have to be something extravagant, but you do have to understand what the purpose of your website is going to be. And a lot of people I've worked with is managing those expectations. That is the first challenge. They don't want a website. They want an app. They want something that's going to you know, make money for them. It's going to be a business. And if it's not an e-commerce site, you're probably looking for something custom. Not always the case. But like I had a buddy, for example, he, wanted, I, he found out I was working on Vegan Eats. And he was like, oh, I want to do like... Uber for senior citizens. He's like, I want a site for that. And I'm trying to explain to him, like, no, you need more than a site. You would just need a site to host, like, coming soon. You need an app to do what you want to do, which is pick up senior citizens and take them home. And 
that alone, you'd be surprised. Like a lot of people don't know the difference between like what is a website and what is everything else. But let's keep it simple. Let's just think of a website as your personal blog or your e-commerce store, but something where you're either trying to sell stuff or put out content. You're not creating an application like Gmail where you're logging in and doing things or Uber or Grubhub or any of those type. Those are applications. But in terms of a website, we'll just focus more on e-commerce, being able to sell products, sell services, and then content. Being able to produce content, blogs, videos, podcasts, things like that. So step number one to re- reiterate, reiterate is to determine what your site is going to do. Once you figure out step number one, which is you'd be surprised. Some people don't figure that out. Figure out what your MVP or most viable product is going to be for that site. What in the world is MVP, you're asking? Good question, day one supporter, and I love you for it. But MVP, most viable product, is pretty much the idea that if you have an idea, whether it's a website or something different, what are like the key things you need to prove your idea, to show your idea could be a success, to say this is the first stone of the many stones to build a pyramid? And you'd be surprised, MVP, like... So, for example, I'm working on my site. My site is have a blog, have a MP3 uploaded of the podcast episode, and lastly, have a contact form. Three things. So you should be able to see my post, listen to my episode, get to my site, of course, and then submit a f- submission for if you wanted to contact me. Th- that's my MVP. But you'd be surprised. You work with people and they go beyond MVP. They're like, oh, well, I want to, you know, have social media and I want to have, you know, this video in the background. I want to look a certain way and I want to have stars when you hover over a certain, like people get crazy. MVP is like, what is the purpose of the site? What's the first step to prove I'm getting towards that, that goal? So figure it out. Figure out your MVP. Your second step, once you figure out um, what the site is going to do, let's say you're selling shoes, right? Then you need to have a domain name. So step number two would be to purchase a domain name. Now, this gets a little tricky. And again, depending on which group you're in, if you're in the techie group, you're in the tech novice group, or if you're the intermediate, I suggest you buy your domain name from either GoDaddy or Google Domains. The reason this gets a little blurry, I know some of you guys come to my podcast because you want a direct answer, but I go to GoDaddy or Google Domains. I always buy my domains off Google Domains, and I haven't had a problem with any of their customer support. I have bought domains from other providers and did not have a good experience, and I know GoDaddy has great customer support even though I never used them before. But those are the two I would say. Now, what is a domain name you might be asking? Well, when you go to Facebook.com, Amazon.com, Wiki.com, that is the domain name. But the, behind it is a number known as the IP address, which is numbers that none of us memorize. So for the system to allow ease of use for us, instead of typing in 192.168.192.0, you would put in Facebook.com. And what that does, for those who don't know how the internet works, that request gets sent to a server, and that server responds 
with what you requested, which is the site that you requested. Now, so, so far, let's recap real quick. Step one, figure out what you're going to do, what's the purpose, your MVP. Step two, purchase a domain name. I say go to GoDaddy, Google Domains. Now, here's the thing. The reason I suggest those two. I like Google products, so I picked Google simply because they were like, we do domains. I'm like, well, they do Google, so Google domains must be simple, but it was in beta. And there's, I've been in some situations where their documentation isn't super helpful, but they do a fairly decent job at keeping it up to date. Uh, GoDaddy does a f- service, and the reason I mentioned them, let's say you wanted calebking.com, and as, as of today... This recording, you cannot buy CalebKing.com from GoDaddy or Google Domain because it's already taken. And somebody named Caleb King purchased this domain a few years ago, and I first saw it, it was $793. It's gone up, it's gone down, but ultimately, I'm not paying that much for a site for my portfolio. So what GoDaddy, GoDaddy offers you is the ability to pay additional fee where they would contact that person. Sometimes they don't answer to the emails listed on like the site itself. So you can contact this person if you want to get um, answers questions about their domain. But a lot of times they don't. GoDaddy has a service where you can hire them and they will hunt the person down and be like, somebody wants to buy this domain from you. Will you entertain giving it up? Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no. But ultimately... You need to find a domain. If you want a domain bad enough, you can get it and you can bargain and you can negotiate and GoDaddy does help you with that. Um, but for the most part, in my experience, if you can't find the one you want, just change the, uh, the top level domain, which is the .com, the .edu, the .org, which is why peopleintech.com is taken. Peopleintech.us was not taken, which is why we have peopleintech.us. $12 for the whole year, all through Google domains. It gets automatically renewed. So that's why I enjoy it. But that would be your second step. Once you figure out what you're going to build, you need to figure out a domain name. And the reason I say do that separately is because you want the control to transfer your domain down the road if things change over time. Why do I mention that? Because step number three would be find web hosting. Find out where you're going to host your website. When I say host, like where is your website going to live? But before we dive deep into the different places where your website is going to live, let's get into a commercial real quick. Be back. Hey, day one listener. Thank you so much for supporting me and the People in Tech podcast. But just in case you're not getting your tech needs fulfilled, we have another great podcast we want you to check out. Sharon, tell them what we're talking about. Sure, Caleb. You should check out Techathlon. It is a tech news podcast with a twist. A weekly podcast that catches you up on the latest tech news through games, trivia, and, usually, friendly competitions. Each episode starts with the Techathlon Decathlon. Featuring 10 questions on the top tech news following a rotating roster of puzzles, quizzes, and winner-take-all debates. Subscribe now to the Techathlon, T-E-C-H-A-T-H-L-O-N, podcast on Spotify. You can also learn more at Pops.com. We actually have sponsors now. I feel like a legitimate podcast. Okay, so where are we, we left off? So we talked about MVP, figuring out what the site is for. Then we said, once you figure out what the site is for, then we need to figure out what you're going to call the site. 
the domain name. And I told you to go to either GoDaddy or Google Domains to get your domain name. After you do that, we were talking about hosting. Where's your site going to live? Now, this is where the episode is going to get a little interesting because of the three groups that I mentioned earlier. But let's keep it simple. And we're going to talk about the technical people first. If you are a software developer, if you are a boot camp graduate, if you are a recent college graduate, you should have some type of website and you should build it from scratch. And the reason you should do this, whether you are a front-end or back-end person, it's either one, going to give you the skills that you need to help land a job in the IT industry, or two, if you will say are a back-end person, it's going to give you exposure to front-end, and it doesn't have to be anything extravagant. You need to have some digital presence out there. Now, for people who are front-end developers, bootcamp graduates, everything I just mentioned earlier, I want to, in my opinion, if I was a hiring manager, I would want to see some portfolio of your work. Uh, if you say you're a React developer, I want to see some React projects. I want to see the to-do app, calculator app, um, chat app, whatever. Like, I want to see some actual work. Cool thing about um, a portfolio is in 2019, like, people really don't care about your resume. If you're a technical developer, code-centric person, you should have some blog or portfolio site showing your skill set because if you are trying to break into the industry you need to almost do free work before they give you credit because like they you've seen you guys have seen the memes like oh i need experience to get experience well this is how you get experience you build something for yourself and the best um, front-end project i always like to give front-end people and even back-end people when they go through these boot camps is create a site for yourself where you have a home page a portfolio page, maybe three projects that you worked on, if you have more, great, and then an about section. And it should be responsive, and it should have a contact form so people want to get in contact with you. Uh, and then all your links should either link you to your GitHub project or maybe it's like another app or some, some way where you can see whatever it is that you built, they can go see it. In terms of hosting, I would suggest... Being a developer, get familiar with Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud Platform, DigitalOcean, Heroku. Those are my options for people who are techie. Now, back in the day, if you were asked some of my old colleagues, they would say Bluehost and HostGator and all those sites where you have a cPanel and you're uploading files to um, um, file trans FTP, like FileZilla, but... In 2019, I think if you are trying to break into IT world, you should get familiar with some of these popular tools that are being used. So I always say, going back to it, Amazon Web Services, AWS, Google Cloud Platform, the second one, DigitalOcean, the third, and then anything after that is really your preference. Now, if you want to keep it free, here's my tip. And this is pretty much the only tip technical people are going to get from today's episode. If you just want a static site like I have, kingcaleb.com, you can use something like Netlify. That's N-E-T-L-I-F-A dot com. No, L-I-F-Y dot com. Sorry, Netlify. But ultimately what they do, they provide pretty much free hosting for static sites like most people do. And they actually provide HTTPS. And for those of you who are technical, you know sometimes that it's hard to get the uh, HTTPS uh, encryption onto something you create yourself. So that's pretty much what I would suggest if you're a technical person. Now, for all the tech novices and day one supporters tuning in, 
what we need to talk about when we talk about web hosting is first, how are you going to build your site? Now, we're going to assume you're not going to know how to code or you don't want to code. We'll be more like Jenny, where it's like, I have a daytime job. I'm a smart person. I'm tech savvy, but I don't want to be a programmer, but I want a website. So let's say you're in that use case. I'm going to suggest Squarespace or Wix. And the reason I mentioned those, because they don't require any coding skills. It's a drag and drop editor, all in one convenience, meaning you go to one place for everything. It takes the technical jargon part out of it and it allows you to focus on creating your content. And in terms of everything related to managing a site, it's all taken care of on their end. The reason I always like to suggest, and the reason I'm using it, is because these companies have made it their job to be good at making websites. And one of the things I've learned as a software developer, even though I tried to make my own site, which then tried to turn into an app, which then tried to turn into something bigger, I sat there and I'm like, I just wasted three months trying to make a simple website. And developers, software people, IT people, we have this, I'm going to say, I don't want to call it a weakness, but we tend, we have this habit of over-engineering, overthinking, over-complexing, uh, or making things more complex than what they really need to be. And when I was trying to build something from scratch, I realized what I wanted was like a year, two-year-long project. And then somebody was like, oh, you just need a website. I'm like, yeah, but some of the things I want are like a pain to set up. And I'll give you a perfect example. Like when you share blog posts on social media and you get that nice picture of the blog post and then a title and then a link and then a description, like if you are doing it from scratch, you have to set all that up yourself. If you mess it up the first time, it's a pain to try to fix it. An absolute pain. But with tools like Squarespace and Wix, these website builders, they have made it their job to make it seamless and pain, pain free for you to make a website. Now, you might be hearing, okay, Caleb, I heard you say Wix and Squarespace, but what do I do? Like, what are the steps? And I am a person where it's like, give me the numerical step-by-step -step procedure. So again, MVP. Number two, select your domain. Number three, web hosting, depending on if you go with a website builder or not. So let's say you do go with a website builder. Then you need to pick between Squarespace and Wix. Now, I'm, just, I'm not sponsored by either. The only sponsors we have are Resume.io, Anchor itself, and then I got ExpressVPN coming soon. Those are the only sponsors we have. And I'm on record for this show saying... Wix is probably going to be the best option for most people. And then I would say Squares, Squarespace comes in second. The reason why I say that, Wix does a really good job at just giving you everything you need, drag and drop friendly. Think of like PowerPoint or think of Word, where it's simply like, I think I edit, I got to pick a template and then I got to edit it. I got to make sure I like it and then I can publish it. Wix makes it that simple. Now, reason I don't reason I didn't pick Wix because one limitation Wix had, Squarespace did not. And simply because of that, I went with Squarespace. Now, the limitation I'm talking about is bandwidth. Now, for me, going back to my MVP, my goal is to upload blogs, podcast episodes, and allow you to submit a form to contact me.
But I also know I want the podcast site to do more. Social media sharing, possibly sell some products, possibly link more to a sponsor so they can sell some of their products. Email, um, like an email list, right? Email marketing. Like I want, the, but these are things that might come over time, right? Whereas in, if I were to do all that myself, that can become a full-time job. Squarespace, Wix, they have made this easy with plugins. I've made it easy for you to just simply click a button and you get that feature. And in terms of bandwidth, I want to upload my episodes. Squarespace was like, we have unlimited bandwidth, unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth. Cool. Wix was like, oh, no, 10 gigs. And I was like, well, 10 gigs, if I upload 15, 20 episodes, they're like, oh, then you hit your limit. And I'm like, well, what do I do when I get to episode 21 and 22? And they're like, well, you got to take something down. And that didn't work for me. So again, going, going back to what I said, like you need to figure out what your site is going to do because it's easier to answer these questions later. But for most people, you're picking a website builder. And really, once you pick your website builder, it is as easy as like signing up for a free trial. The cool thing about the free trial is like, some of them are seven days, sometimes they're 14 days. Sometimes, like with Squarespace, you can make like the same like two or three sites and you just get a new trial every time. So if you have to play with it a little bit, I would say just play with it until you're like, oh, I kind of like it. And like really trust your instincts and your emotion. If you're a tech novice and you don't know how to make a site, go to Wix. Go to Squarespace. Pick a template that you like. And just try your best to slowly edit little pieces of it. And you'd be surprised because that's pretty much what all it is, is to make a website. Choosing the builder, signing up for the right plan, which I'm going to talk about in a second, choosing a domain, picking your template, customizing your template, and lastly, previewing and testing and publishing your site. So that's the, business, that's the cool thing about these website builders is they try to make it a one-stop shop. Now, going back to our steps, you know, MVP, finding a domain, web hosting. Now, Web hosting is interesting because if you go with a website builder, the cool thing about Squarespace and Wix is they're going to ask you, do you have a domain? No, I don't. Would you like to buy a domain? Easy. So you can go that route. And then the cool thing is, is they host and do everything for you. Now, it's kind of like buying a car or buying Apple products. Like you could, If you buy everything through Apple, you might have to pay premium price, but you, might, you have more confidence that it might work. If you go through a third party and maybe they don't support Apple as well, it might work the first time, but maybe not the second time. Really what I'm trying to say is like, the reason I always like to tell people, buy your domain name from somebody like GoDaddy or Google Domains, so that way you're not married to Wix or Squarespace. And if you want to switch down the road, maybe you get more technical and you want to use WordPress, you can't. Now, I'm not saying you can't transfer your domains from Wix or Squarespace. I'm just saying for most people, I think it's better to buy it somewhere else and then transfer it into Squarespace versus buying it from Squarespace and transferring it out. Once you go through a website builder and you either transfer your domain or you buy your domain from them, they are going to do the hosting. Your site is going to live on Squarespace or Wix servers. And you can have multiple sites. And that's a really cool thing about it is you can have four or five sites under one account. And what I like most about the 
website builders is not only are the features uh, pretty seamless in terms of like, hey, I need a icon and people load it up on Chrome. Oh, I need social media. I need this pop-up to come up. I need people who have a coupon to automatically apply to coupon. Like all those things, they have features and you can enable one. You just have to play with the templates. Now, that's for the tech novice. The people who are intermediate, when we're talking about web hosting, let's say you want to use WordPress. Let's say you're not a developer, but you know how to edit a WordPress site. You just need to figure out where you want it to live. And when we're talking about hosting, I'm just going to tell you what I would use. If you're using WordPress, there is Google Cloud Platform, AWS, DigitalOcean, Heroku, those are four that I've used with WordPress that allowed me to do a one-click setup. And it was seamless, and it was thorough, and it was done. Now, I know there's other options out there, but I just personally never liked any of them. And I feel like if you're in that intermediate group, you probably want a little control on you know, what you can do with your WordPress instance in terms of memory and storage and scalability. But you also need it to be simple to set up. So that's why I suggest AWS, Google Cloud Platform, DigitalOcean, and Heroku for WordPress. There's a lot of other options out there, but I don't like them. Okay, so I like to recap because this is an episode, how do you start a site? How do you launch it? Um, we talked about MVP. We talked about selecting a domain. We talked about web hosting. We talked about the different ways you can go about building your site, which is doing it from scratch, using a website builder, using something in, a, in, a, in the middle like WordPress. Uh, one thing I did not talk about is what if you are interested in selling products, right? That's what a lot of people want to do is sell products. Again, going back to, you know, what is your MVP? But, you know, we talked about Squarespace and Wix, but you might be a better candidate for Shopify. The reason I didn't mention Shopify as one of my initial suggestions is because it costs 30 a month to have a Shopify site. Now, Shopify, like Squarespace and Wix, is a one-stop shop for all your e-commerce needs. And there's an admin page, they make it easy, there's a lot of documentation to show you how to create the site. But I don't like to suggest that one for people starting simply because of the cost. But if you're an e-commerce person and you know exactly what it is you wanna sell, Shopify is the go-to e-commerce site, in my opinion. But that's if you know, like today I'm selling products. And I need to get shipped, I need to have all that, I need all that info taken care of in terms of e-commerce. Shopify is great, but Squarespace and Wix are also good at that too. And they have a lot of great features. That's why I always like to tell people Wix and Squarespace, get started, get something up, get the domain, just get used to having a site and going in and managing it. Um, but yeah, outside of that, those are really the main things. I feel like a lot of people like to make it more complex than what it really is. But like I said, if you were trying to launch a site and you're a tech novice, really, you just want to be in a situation where you have your domain and you have the ability to edit your your homepage, your about page, add pages. And again, these website builders make it easy for you to add content and edit content, and it's all online. You don't need to have any special software or any special skills. If you want, if you see a typo in something, you type, you double click it and you fix it like you would in PowerPoint and Word and Excel and these common platforms, the common software that we've used in the past. So that's all I got for you guys in terms of 
what it takes to launch a website. Again, I'd just like to recap one more time. Remember, MVP, figuring out your domain, figuring out where it's going to live, figuring out, like, are you going to sell stuff? Like, did you pick the right option? You know, lastly, once you have all that, like, you know, play with the templates that you have. Once you have your template figured out and your content ready, test your site. I mean, test it on your phone, test it on uh, iPad. If you don't have, there's literally tools, this Google test my site. And there are so many tools where it will load your website in a different, like a whole bunch of um, different devices. So like a Pixel 1, a Pixel 2, a Pixel 3, iPhone 10 to 10X Max um, to, you know, iPhone 6, like whatever it is, like you want to make sure you test your site. You want to make sure it loads fine, its speed is fine and all that good stuff. Uh, but outside of that, that's really all you need, guys. Is um, Again, I'm not sponsored by any of these uh, companies, but in terms of launching it, you know, I think really what the only thing we didn't talk about today was the cost of a site. And it's hard for me to really tell you how much to spend on a site. I can tell you in terms of, okay, I put it to you like this. In terms of cost of building a site, if you were hiring, everything we talked about, let's say if I was hiring a developer, I'm going to say setup is $160. I'm going to say design and building a site, $5,000. I'm going to say content creation. I mean, videos and pictures and, you know, that one family picture, everybody looking happy, buying the tickets to whatever it is, you know, it's $500. Then I have to train you to use it. That's maybe another $500. And then we're talking maintenance. You probably want things changed on the site throughout the year. So if you hire somebody like me to make your site, we're talking $7,000 you are using a website builder like Wix or Squarespace, potentially you can spend like $100, $60 for everything and do it yourself. So again, you have to kind of weigh out your own option in terms of pricing, but that's why I always like to talk about the MVP approach is figure out what the minimum viable product is, pick a, one of the website builders I mentioned, and slowly just iterate and build upon it. So that's all I got for you guys. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Stay tuned for the next episode, which is the five mistakes people are making when setting up their site. Ooh, that's going to be a good one. Stay tuned for the People in Tech podcast site coming soon. But that's all I got for you guys. I'm out. Peace.